I guess it's time to go back in time. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Time is but a stubborn illusion. I have a lot of memories of the past. People are time traveling within themselves. Time travel is possible. Hey everybody, this is the Reloaded episode for this week. It's The Other Side of Dogman, episode 59. And the reason why I chose this one for this week is because I reference episode 59 on tomorrow's show. We have Dan coming on the show and we talk about a lot of different things, including his Dogman encounter. And what he describes in this encounter is eerily similar to the environment that Lisa described in episode 59. So I thought it'd be a good idea to share episode episode 59 with you all today since tomorrow I reference episode 59 when him and I are talking about his dogman encounter interaction as a kid. So, I hope you guys enjoy this reload. Let's get to Lisa right now. Okay, I'll reload it. over to me dude he slithered over to me and this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen and he starts running and firing at this giant well the giant moves he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this somebody yells shoot him in the face shoot him in the face they basically decapitate him Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. And I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the set. I saw three long bony fingers with like claws on the end up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. It's almost like they're unzippering our reality. They stick their heads through it, and they look around, and if it looks like it's, the coast is clear, they step through the rest of the direction. If you take the head, you get the whole package. If you don't take the head off, then what happens is they disappear. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. But then I look over to my left, on the far side of the room, and there's Jack. And he's got blood on his face. He looks at me, and he just says one word. Oops. I've been killing ETs longer than most people have careers. I reach my hand into this bush, and I touch air couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster.
Welcome to the show, everybody. You are listening to The Confessionals, a proud featured show on blogtalkradio.com. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. We're going to bring on Lisa, who had a very unconventional dogman encounter. I'm really excited about tonight's show, so let's get it going. Okay, tonight I have a great guest coming on. I have Lisa, and Lisa has experienced uh, several different things going on throughout her life. Uh, Lisa, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, what part of the country are you in? I am in Middle Tennessee. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I've actually talked to several people from Tennessee and stuff. It's a, it's an interesting state for sure. Uh, so you have uh, actually experienced both Dogman and Sasquatch. And I believe you said on multiple occasions. Uh, and it seems like when we were talking mm-hmm. here a little bit, it's something to do with like your family history as well. Like it, it actually tracks back throughout your family history. So it's very fascinating. If you, if you want though, just kind of start with us, you know, how'd this all begin for you? Like, where did it all start? When did you start realizing that this was, you know, happening to you as far as these encounters? Um, it's kind of tricky to answer that. I, I think, I think, the first time I really realized that there was something going on that was not normal was probably when um, I was watching an episode of In Search Of with my parents. And this was, I mean, this is when the show was actually coming on every week and it would, it would be a brand new episode. But I distinctly remember laying on the couch next to my mother and I would, couldn't have been any more than four or five years old. And the episode about the Sierra sounds came on and they were playing some of the recordings that they had picked up and they were some of the, some of the, what they call the samurai chatter. And I remember just hearing those noises and I still remember feeling absolutely terrified. Like I was just shaking next to my mother on the couch and I remember my dad switching it off and them asking me what was wrong and, I just told them that I was terrified and they insisted that, you know, there's nothing to worry about because that was all the way out in California and we were in Vermont and we were perfectly safe. And I remember asking them if they were sure a few times, like, are you sure that's not here? Are you sure that we're safe? And they kept insisting that we were fine. And then I remember them turning the TV back on and the show had gone to something else. Um, I think it was almost like a loosely related connection because I was having encounters with something in our backyard. Um, and what, what I've learned that it was possibly is what a lot of people in the dogman community, um, refer to as type three, meaning that it is a dog 
as a dog-like creature, I, I think the really the only way that you could honestly, honestly describe the appearance of this thing is if Bigfoot and a werewolf had a baby. Um, very kind of odd-looking. Um, definitely dog-like features, but not as pronounced as something that you would maybe find in like the under underworld movies as some people have described some of their encounters and, and some of the looks of these creatures. And for me, um, what really started it was I, I was very much a wanderer. Um, I go outside and I play, but I would wander around and, and explore. And we lived in a very pretty, pretty much normal suburban neighborhood in a small town that still has, um, to this day, still only has about 16,000 people in it. Um, surrounded by mountains and lots of forests and lots of fields and wildlife and stuff. And there was this patch of woods behind my house and I used to go and wander around in there. And um, during that time of exploring, I found a neighbor behind us who had a playhouse. And very rarely did I ever see kids there. I don't think that there were kids that actually lived there. Um, but there was this really nice playhouse and it was stocked full of toys and it had a little table inside. And for a while I would go in there and I would sit at the table and I would start playing with things. And then I would just get this feeling that would come over me and I would just start feeling afraid and it. I would never really know why, or, I, or not, not at that time. I wouldn't know why. Um, but I would just, I would just run. Um, like the fear was enough to just make me run out of the playhouse and run back home. And I even remember one day bringing my older sister, who was about seven years older than me, to this playhouse. And we sat down and the same feeling came over her. And I remember her very distinctly saying, let's, let's go home. I don't like it here. And so we left and went back home. Well, one afternoon, I was wandering around, went to the playhouse and started to play. And the people that owned this house came home. And I remember seeing the lady that lived there um, through their sliding glass doors uh, kind of open up the open up the door and let like the fresh air in. And I remember her putting on some music and she kind of just sat on a cushion and just started playing guitar and just kind of looking out, you know, into the backyard. And as she's doing that, I'm stuck in the playhouse and I realized that if I try to leave, she's going to see me. I'm going to get caught. I'm going to be in trouble, you know, but I start hearing what sounds like humming. So it sounds like it's several voices, but very low and just kind of like a drone, almost like bees, but very, very low, maybe kind of metallic sounding for lack of a better term. Um, and I'm not sure to this day if it was possibly growling, um, but it was some kind of vocalization. And I'm really not even too sure if I've heard anything quite like it since because it was it was from several individuals. But I looked next to um, this birch tree next to me and I saw what looked like an eye staring at me through the V. And I remember just a, a distinct black eye watching me. And I, you know, flew out of the playhouse and ran home and um didn't go back for a little while as far as I remember and then one day I 
was in the backyard and I was on the path trying to go to where the playhouse was and I got cut off. There was something that stepped in front of me and it was within, I mean, within like a foot. And I look up into the face of this thing um, that had kind of a dark blonde hair. I mean, maybe similar to Chewbacca, but lighter, you know, in color. And I just remember um, black eyes, um, a black nose that was kind of very, very slightly protruding from its face and the ears being more, more lynx like only because they were, they were pointed in sort of shapes that way. And, um, this thing had the right side of its body blocking me and it was just kind of looking down its nose at me and blinking and I'm looking up at it. And then there's a noise that's behind it drawing its attention away from me. And I look past this blonde creature and I see another one. And this one is red, almost like an Auburn. And I just remember eyes blinking from the boughs of a maple tree, but I couldn't make out any details on the thing's face of the red one. But the red one ended up turning itself around and it was standing in the middle of my um, parents' vegetable garden and it started to rip the plants out. And I remember saying, I'm going to tell my dad on you and running into my house and through the kitchen. And when I turned around to shut the door, the blonde creature was standing on the other side of the stoop looking in. And that was when fear kicked in. Um, and I was afraid that it was going to come into the house, you know, and, and try to try to hurt us. Um, so I, I managed to shut the door. I went into the living room and I told my parents that there were monsters in the garden and they were, they were ripping things up. Um, and of course they didn't believe me. My dad, my dad was just like, yeah, all right. You know, and my mom didn't say anything. She just went into the kitchen and she looked out into the backyard and she said, nope, no monsters. And then, you know, I think she just thought I was pretending or, or something. Um, and I, as far as I know, I remember running over to the door and looking out and there was nothing there. Um, so I'm trying to remember the next <laughs> sequence of events, but I think, I think the next thing that I distinctly remember, um, and granted this was a very long time ago, so there, there could have been things that happened. Oh yeah, actually there was one thing that I do remember that did happen. Um, in that same house, it was, it was a smaller house and it was, it was pretty much, you know, what my parents could afford, um, on teacher salaries at the time. And it was a two bedroom. So my, my parents had the downstairs bedroom and my sister had the upstairs bedroom, but there was sort of like an extra space, um, that they kind of stuck me in. That was sort of like a little, kind of like a little nook in my, in my area upstairs. And, um, I remember at night I would just wake up in the middle of the night and I would see what I remember now is several pairs of red eyes looking in the window and I would feel afraid and I would try to ignore it. And I remember sometimes telling them to go away and they would just stay there watching. 
And so um, sometimes my parents would come upstairs to get me ready to go to school and they couldn't find me because I would be sleeping between the bed and the wall so that the ice couldn't watch me. And I distinctly remember my father. Yeah. My father finding me one morning and he was like, why do you keep doing this? Every time we come up here and we can't find you, you scare us. And I said, well, I'm doing it so that the ice can't watch me. And, And I just remember the look on his face, just this total disturbed, you know, look of what are you talking about? You know? And, and I tried to explain to him that, at night, there are eyes looking in. And I, I think that was the first time I kind of learned what owls were. I mean, I was, it was pretty young, but he said, well, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's an owl. And um, so I was hoping that that's what it was. And, and I remember afterwards, there'd be times when those eyes would show up and I'd call them the owl, thinking that that's what it was. Um, I talked to, my, to a friend of my sister's who had come over to the house and was afraid of something and asked if he'd seen the owl. And I remember asking my sister if she'd seen the owl. So that's what it became in my mind was that it was an owl or owls looking in the window at me. But the next, um, the next incident that I remember, I'm thinking that there were probably other events that happened um, just based on the creature's behavior that I, I don't remember that I may have blocked out. But um there was a friend of my parents that came over with his little girl who was about my age and she was very shy and she wanted to be with her dad. And I remember she was kind of, kind of crying and everything. And she was upstairs playing with me and she'd be okay playing for a few minutes. And then she just burst in, into tears again. And so I was trying to make her feel comfortable and I decided, okay, I'm going to show her the playhouse, you know, cause this, this, it was my big secret and it was really cool. And I thought that she would be perfectly happy to see it. So I brought her, you know, to the playhouse and we were having a great time sitting there playing. And then um, all of a sudden the red creature that I had described. Oh, and I realized I, I missed something. So just, just let me backtrack for just a minute. Yeah, go ahead. There was a second part to, to the garden. I think it was the next day or, or a couple hours later, my parents called me outside and the garden was destroyed, completely destroyed, completely ripped up. And my mom asked for me to tell the story again of what had happened. And I told her there were monsters in the garden and, and they tore everything up. So the first thought, cause they were really trying to make sense of it. The first thing they thought was maybe I had lied and I had tor- torn up the garden but then they were like, no, this, this mess is too huge. It couldn't have been her. And we also noticed that there were footprints. Um, and I didn't get a good look at them, but I, I do remember my mom pointing them out to my dad a few times. And he at the time was the high school band director. And he thought maybe some kids had come to, to vandalize the garden. And I remember my mom very distinctly saying, how do you explain the footprints? And so they kind of they kind of made me <laughs> stay out there with them while they were in the garden, and I remember cleaning up a little bit. So I, I'd forgotten to mention that part, but this made me, you know, talking about the red creature, made me re- remember that part. But getting back to the second time of seeing the red creature walk by, was when this little girl and I were in the playhouse, and I couldn't I couldn't see its head. So again, this was a large creature but never saw what it was for sure. And 
it came walking past the playhouse and kind of made its way towards the, the, the house where this woman lived, but kind of veered off back into the trees and behind it came this, the blonde creature. Um, and, and I call it she, and you'll, you'll figure out why in a minute. I, I really can't help but call it she, but she kind of looked in the window which were cut out. So I think this thing was made of water plastic, but she looked in the window at this little girl that was with me. And then she and I made direct eye contact, the, the creature and I, and the little girl just flipped out and started to cower in the, in the corner and cry. And when this creature made eye contact with me, I dove under the little table that was, that was in the house and she was instantly at the door. The creature was instantly at the door, had her feet and her legs and pretty much most of her torso kind of wedged in the door and started to make these vocalizations. And I remember very jagged. They look jagged. That's really, I think, from my mind that I can only describe her teeth as jagged, but I, I don't think they were jagged. I think they were just sharp teeth. But I remember her teeth and I remember her making these deep kind of gruddle noises. And I don't think it was aggression. It almost seemed more like she was extremely amused with herself that she trapped us mm-hmm. in, the, in the playhouse. And so this little girl is screaming hysterical. I'm screaming hysterical. We're both crying. She's got us trapped in there. She's got her feet wedged in there. And you know, kind of, kind of the shaggy blonde hair. So it's not like I really got a very good look at her feet, but almost like the tops of her feet seemed sort of, um, almost like horseshoe in in shape. That's really the only way I can describe it. It just was a really weird formation on top of her feet. And I remember screaming and it got worse because the other girl ended up peeing herself and which just escalated our terror. And I remember finally just reaching out and pounding on this thing's feet and screaming at it to move. And the vocalization stopped and the, the showing of the teeth stopped. And all of a sudden it just looked really taken aback and almost kind of offended that I had hit it, but she moved, she left. And I remember kind of reaching out for this other girl and, and just both of us just making it out of the house, kind of, or kind of stumbling down the path and her just covered, you know, in pee. And we started to hear her father's voice from my backyard calling. And I looked at her and, and, and I was like, let's just tell me you had an accident. And she said, okay. And so we ended up getting back into the yard and he was very upset that she, you know, had an accident and brought her home. And, um, you know, he asked before he left though, he said, you know, what happened? And I said, she just got scared and, and she had an accident, but she, she was clinging to him. She was hysterical. I mean, you know, she was, she was an absolute mess from what had happened. And I'm really not sure at the time what possessed me, but I managed to go back into the woods and I started to walk around in the area where we'd been. And I think I was afraid that this thing would come after me. And I remember very distinctly saying, 
I'm really sorry that I hit you, but you made my friend cry and you made her pee herself. And um, all of a sudden, this creature was there again. And somehow we ended up sitting in front of each other. And I very distinctly remember sitting cross-legged and this thing mimicking me in sitting cross-legged and both of us just looking each other over. And I remember her reaching out her hand, which looked more mitt-like and club-like and patting me on the head um, and being so heavy handed that my teeth clicked and I could actually feel, you know, feel the weight of her hand in my neck um, from the impact of hitting the top of my head. And her just kind of looking me over, scrutinizing me. And the next thing I know, she sweeps me up and pins me against her side and I'm laying on the ground with her. And I remember the very distinct feeling of absolute terror thinking in my head, I am never going to see my mother again, thinking this thing's going to carry me off and I, nobody's ever going to know what happened to me. Um, you know, just all of these thoughts running through my head and just the sheer terror and the sheer panic just welling up. And for some reason, call it God, call it intuition, call it what you will, but I remember very distinctly a very strong thought coming into my mind saying, whatever you do, do not panic. And so I'm just laying there with this thing and I'm pinned to its side and I remember her kind of shuffling her feet through the through the um the leaves and I'm doing the best that I can to kind of calm down and I finally end up trying to get as comfortable as I possibly can in that position and I end up putting my my right hand on her chest and that's when I noticed I mean I noticed a couple of things the first thing I noticed that it was definitely fur um definitely reminded me of the texture of or reminds me now of the texture of like an Irish wolfhound kind of wiry yeah no smell except um the smell of leaves and dirt um, cause I've had a lot of people ask me if there was a smell, but there was no smell. Um, she was a little oily, you know, I don't know if that was like natural or not, but I just, I remember kind of some oiliness and I do remember what looked like the small rise of breasts underneath the fur. And so that's why I I've called her she, um, and so I'm laying there and, and she's kind of gurgling and making noises again, you know, not quite like before. And then all of a sudden she drops me and she flips over and she's on all four. And there is this deep menacing growl that just comes from like her core and her eyes are completely large and completely black. And then all of a sudden I hear my sister calling my name and I remember very distinctly looking at her and saying, Hey, that's my sister. And the growling stopped and she just kind of looked at me sideways. And then she started to crawl off on all fours. She's on all fours at this time, crawling off in the trees. And I turn around 
and I'm running to my sister and I'm saying, Hey, Hey, you got to come see my friend. And my sister being really pissed off because my father was at home and he wanted to know, to know where I was. And she'd said that he'd been drinking and, you know, just, just, she wasn't making any sense pretty much, but she didn't care what was in the woods. She was like, you know, I'm in trouble now because I didn't know where you were and we're going home right now. So we get home. Um, my father sits me down. He tells me that his friend called from the hospital because he had to bring his daughter there because she was in absolute hysterics and they thought she was having a breakdown and that this little girl told her father everything. And so he wanted to know what happened and I didn't know what to say and I was afraid to tell him the truth. So I remember saying she just got scared. And for a long time, my dad just kind of sat there and just kind of watched me. And he said, all right, as far as I'm concerned, you are forbidden from ever going into those woods again. And, and I remember that because that was a new thing that I had learned, you know, during, during this whole time, I learned about owls for the first time. And I remember learning the word forbid and he had to explain to me what that meant. And he said, I don't, I don't ever want you going into those woods again. In fact, I don't ever want you playing in the backyard again. Just stay in the front yard, stay, stay close to the house and just, just don't, please don't ever go back there. And I said, okay. Um, so I started to go and just play on the, on the front stoop. And I remember one afternoon being out there and she came back um, and, I, and she was kind of watching me from the corner of the house, you know, showing, showing her black eye, kind of like the way that she did the first time I ever saw her, which was through the, the birch trees. And she was watching me play. And then she, she was showing like a little bit more of herself, but really just kind of having her body pressed to the house and watching. And I remember standing up and looking at her and saying, I'm very sorry, but I can't play with you anymore. And going back into the house. And the only other thing that I remember is that, and I don't know if it's connected to all of this, but it probably is, is that there was one night that my, my sister was not there and she was spending the night at a friend's house. And um, my mother and my father and I were standing in our living room. And there was all of this racket on top of the roof. It sounded like thumping and pounding and just things screeching and making horrible noises. And all I remember was that the sun was going down and my parents were truly terrified and just staring at the ceiling. And we had a dog, we had a um, really crazy border collie that they adopted from the pound, but this thing this thing had like a crazy history of she'd been part of a pack of wild dogs that they caught in the mountains. And she, she was a tough dog. She was great with us, hated everybody else. And she was laying in the middle of the floor, just shaking. And my father, after several minutes of just, I think debating of what he was going to do, he told my mother to pick me up and he picked up the dog and we all, all four of us climbed into the bed in their, in their bedroom after my dad made sure that the door was locked 
and that the windows were locked. We all got in bed and I remember just laying there listening to these horrible noises until I fell asleep. And I remember the next morning he got up and he just kind of checked everything and everything seemed okay. And as far as I know, that's, that's all that happened there. Um, as far as dogman, um, the only, the only other instances that I had that I can remember, I mean, none of this is quite as extensive as Sasquatch, which if we have time, we can get into. Sure. Absolutely. But Right. With Dogman, I do remember that when I was about eight years old, we were in the same town, different house. I hated this house too. It, it had, I mean, you want to talk about paranormal, excuse me. There was just something wrong with this house. I've only lived in one other place that was maybe remotely as, as close to it, as intense as this place. My sister and I suffered night terrors um, for years and didn't tell each other. I mean, that's, that's how bad it was. Um, we were both seeing things. We were both seeing what looked like red eyes in the corners, like the dark corners of the house at night. My father was just really adamant about trying to save energy and like, you know, in, you know, I I know that you're from the North and you know how dark it gets this time of year early. Yeah. And so he would make us just, yeah, we would just have to shut everything down. No lights, no, no nothing. And after dinner, it would be terrifying to go upstairs at night. Like I I couldn't do it without the lights on because I I would swear that there'd be something up there watching me or that I would see and glimpse like red eyes from the corner. Um, My room, it was a Dutch colonial house and my room was connected to the attic. So there was a door that led upstairs into the attic. And I remember many times hearing, hearing something that would walk on the roof outside my window because it was, it was kind of hard to explain it, but there was like an enclosed porch, a roof on top of that. And then our bedroom windows were above that porch. And my sister and I would both hear something walking on that roof. And we would both hear something walking on the top roof where above the, above the attic. But I would also hear a few times something coming in through the attic window inside the attic, walking around and coming down the stairs to my room. And I would always keep the door locked and bolted and something would try the door occasionally. So I'm assuming it's, it's what I saw because I've heard other stories of dogmen coming into people's houses. Okay. And when I was about eight years old, I got up in the middle of the night to go use our bathroom and the window looking out faced our driveway and, um, some wooded section of the neighborhood. And I remember looking out and seeing what at first I thought was just a German shepherd, um, across the street near our driveway. And I remember watching it kind of look around and then all of a sudden it just sort of zeroed in on the bathroom window and and me and then it stood up and it stood there and the legs looked straight. I mean, the, the chest looked muscular, the arms looked long and I remember it baring its teeth, but it was more like the way that a dog smiles, like 
and the feeling that I got was that it knew I was afraid and it, and it liked the fact that I was afraid of it. And so I remember, and for a while during my childhood, I couldn't remember why I was so traumatized by this that I actually blocked out the reason. But if I, after that, if I was going to go to the bathroom and it was dark, I would walk into the bathroom and I would feel around for the, for the window and I would shut the curtains before I would do anything in that bathroom. I couldn't have the curtains open. Um, but it was because of this incident. And I'm trying to think, I, I actually just brief. Oh yeah. Um, the only other really strange thing in that house can that could have been possibly related was during the summertime we would sleep with the screens open. And I I remember there were a few times when my sister was watching me and we were home alone and we would hear what sounded like nails being or claws. I mean, I don't really know what it was, Um, but they would be scratching the screen and then we would go to the window and we would look out and we would never, never see anything except I do remember a few times uh, my parents finding screens in the house that were absolutely shredded and they would have to replace, but they always blamed the cats, which was impossible. So um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else connected to that house concerning um, what I believe I saw was, you know, as dogman, but I can't think of anything else pertaining to it. Um, and then if I was going to get into the next incident that I remember for sure, that would be after my parents had split up and my mother and I moved away from Vermont and I went back to visit, um, my best friend during the summer and she had a slumber party. So she, she invited one of our friends from school and her cousin over, um, and so it was four of us girls and I'm not really sure what drew our attention outside, but where she lived, um, there was a lot of strange stuff around her house too. It was the same town that I was having sightings in. It was just the other side of town. Um, and she was close to the river and the high school and I think her dad had about two acres of land. And um, I remember when I was earlier in the day, she was telling me that because they had chickens, they used to have a chick, a chicken coop, but something was getting into the chicken coop at night and killing the chickens. And so he moved the, the, um, the coop into the garage and he used to leave it unlocked, but something was going into the garage and killing these chickens. And so finally he would have to lock the chickens up at night. So that's whatever it was that was killing them could not get into the garage. Well, I think pretty soon after he made that decision, whatever it was, got, got pretty pissed and was, was outside the house. I'm going to say, I believe it was probably about 25, 30 yards away from the house. And something was throwing rocks at the house, but it wasn't like, it wasn't large rocks. It was almost like a spray of pebbles. And whatever this is, I had a really mean arm. And we were at least 15 or 20 feet up off the ground because they converted her attic into bedrooms. So it was, it was, you know, up there. And it's throwing rocks at the house. And when we get a good look, we see 
red eyes and they're very almond shaped, which was what was kind of strange about it. But I start watching these eyes and they're periodically standing up very tall. Maybe I'm thinking maybe 10 feet. And there's all this racket going on in the woods behind it, but we can't see where it's coming from. But these eyes are watching the house. They're watching us. And I'm watching them every once in a while sink all the way down to the ground, come all the way back up, and another spray of rocks would hit the house. And every time a car came and was getting close, the eyes would would zero in on the car, watch until the headlights got too close, and looked and it looked as if it turned its head away, but it was really hard to make it out. So it was like the head would turn away, the car would drive by, you know, a few seconds later, the head, it looked like the head was turning around and the eyes were looking at us again and it would go, go back to throwing rocks at the house. And so all of us were afraid. And I remember after a while, just kind of very instinctly, just sort of pinning myself to the wall and trying to hide from, from this thing in the window um, and, the, and not wanting it to see me and everything. And the very, and this went on for a while, um, some parts of the night and none of us really slept and we were all pretty scared. And it went on until her dad came home. Like he worked third shift, I think at, at like a, one of the factories in town. And she insisted that she was going to stay up until he got home. And once he did, she, you know, she had a conversation with him and I think she told him what happened. I'm not sure if you believed her or not, but after I had left town, um, to go visit, I think my sister that was up North at college at the time, she told me that, that the thing came back for a few more nights and did the same thing. Now the next disturbing connection to that incident is not too long ago. I found a picture of myself that she took from that slumber party. And if you look in the window, there's a pair of eyes watching me and it's highly disturbing. I had it um, sent off and analyzed to a friend of mine that, that is part of the BFRO in um, New Mexico. And he said, whatever it is, it's real. And it looks like it's some sort of canid. So that's a very, yeah, it's a very disturbing reminder of that night. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think, so do honestly, you, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Go I, ahead. I, I'm curious. Do, do you think that this thing is following you around or do you think it's different ones? Oh, I think it's different ones. I don't, I don't see how, actually, I don't know. You know, in being that it was in the same town, maybe being that it was in the same town, it could have been just like a clan of these creatures. And, and there was some sort of familiarity with, with my family. I mean, in a way it kind of sounds humor, humorous because it's a small town, you know, but maybe there was, I don't, I don't know. Other than, um, the creature that I saw outside my house at eight, at eight years old was not the same creature that I encountered in my backyard, but it's, um, been suggested to me that the creature that threw the rocks because of, um, the description I gave of the eyes, was told by a couple of researchers that they think that that was a type three and that the first creature I encountered was also a type three dogman. So it's really, really hard to know for sure. Um, one incident that happened 
that I think is interesting and still is kind of inclusive is my best friend whose, whose house that I talked about where I was at the slumber party, her sister's best friend got attacked by something not far from their house. Um, there was a path that led that um, kind of led to the shopping plaza and she was taking it, I think to go to work. Um, actually, as far as I remember, I think she was leaving working and she was going to go spend the night at their house with my friend's older sister. And it was still daylight out. So I think this was summer. It was still pretty light out. And she said that she was on the path. And then all of a sudden there was just this man, quote unquote, that was dressed in all black. That was really, really huge. And the only thing, other thing that she remembered is something hit her on the head and she woke up on that path hours later and she was covered in blood from something cutting her head. And she ended up running to my best friend's house and knocking on the door and their parents found her and they brought her to the ER and all she could, could tell the doctors and the police that showed up and her parents um, once they showed up was that some very, very large man, um, all dressed in black knocked her out and nothing was stolen. I mean, she wasn't assaulted in any way. She was just hit. She said that she never saw the face that she never even actually saw the head of whatever it was or whoever it was because she was very short. I think she was only like four, nine. And so before she even had the chance to actually get a look at whatever this was, it had already knocked her out and just left her there cold until she woke up. So that has always been an enigma. Um, I'm not in touch with that family right now, just because we've just fell out of, out of connection from, you know, life. So I don't really know whatever came of that, but it was really, really strange that it was in the same area um, during the, the same time frame of life that happened. Wow, some of those stories actually remind me of other stories that I heard from other people. So uh, let's take a break right now and we'll get into some of those stories when we come back from the break. We'll be right back, everybody. you're telling me uh, some of these stories, it, it reminds me of some other people's stories that have been told to me. Uh, like the last mm-hmm. experience you just shared, you know, I, I was talking to a woman who, now she said that she saw, not that she saw, but that her, her boyfriend, 
and her children were escorted out of out of an area here in Pennsylvania while they were fishing. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that was happening was rock throwing. So there, all these yeah. rocks were being thrown at them. They ran, and she, I think she was heading up behind everybody else. And they're coming up this path to mm-hmm. like where the truck was parked. And something hit her on the back of the head and knocked her clean out on the path. And she wakes up with her boyfriend and her brother helping her up, trying to get her into the truck. And so like that just, Mm -hmm. you know, when you just shared that with me, that's the first thing that I thought of. Like these are, that that's a similar thing. Now she, as far as I remember, she never saw what was throwing the rocks but her daughter did. Mm-hmm. Her daughter saw something playing peekaboo, is what she said it was doing, uh, behind mm-hmm. a tree from her. And her daughter's just a little girl. And so when they get home, her daughter draws what she saw. And so what her daughter drew, you know, if you're if you have Sasquatch on the mind, it looked like a Sasquatch. But thinking back at it, mm-hmm. if you had Dogman on the mind. It very well could have looked like a dog man too. So it's just an interesting parallel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's really hard to know. Um, but even even in just you know talking to other people and just doing my own research, it's like there's definitely similarities. Um, even between both cryptids, there's some similarities, which I think a lot of, a lot of people are either in the camp of arguing that they're completely different or really just kind of accepting that they're very similar. There's, there's just certain behaviors that are similar, but it's also, you know, as far as we know, there are animals that live in packs or groups. So that might be part of the reason why, why they do certain things. And I don't, I don't know if they like to attack people because they think it's fun or if they're honestly just trying to protect something else. Like, you know, maybe, maybe it was like, okay, you're getting way too close to something young and, and before you stumble upon it, they're, they're going to take you out. I don't, I don't know. You know, it's, it's really hard to know. Um, I don't believe there's any experts in, in this field because nobody has been able to go out and live amongst these, you know, um, 24 seven for like a year, you know? So it's just, it's really hard to, to swallow anybody um, saying that they're an expert because I just, until somebody does that, I think it's very hard to say that you're an expert. I think it's great when we can gather data and, and stories and encounters and see all the, the similarities and, and how they harmonize, you know, but it's, it's just hard to know. So, um, the next incident, this one is, is weird. Um, not that they're not all weird, but this, this <laughs> one's one of the ones that kind of has me very confused as to what exactly it was that I saw, but I was with a friend of mine and um, it was, it was high school and we skipped school and there was, I think four or five of us that skipped school and we went to my best friend's house. And this, this incident was in Massachusetts. I was living in Massachusetts at the time with my dad. And there was this little country store. um, And I don't know. We split up for a little while and, um, myself and this boy that, um, I had a crush on decided to take a walk on the railroad tracks and we're walking along the railroad tracks, not very far from, from where everybody else is. And all of a sudden we just see this thing standing in the middle of the railroad tracks. And I, 
I'm trying, you know, I, I'm visual, so I always try to give like an estimated, you know, how far it was. And I'm thinking about, it probably was about 50 feet from us, maybe closer, maybe 40 feet. It was close enough definitely to see its eyes. But the thing about this, this creature was that it was tall. It was a, t- a chocolate brown. And I remember it having the weirdest shaped head. It was like, it was conical like some Sasquatches are described as. But I remember its ears were kind of elongated, but it had more of a muzzle. And I remember very distinct black eyes and its teeth, you know, showing. So you can see the variations, like um, the ones that I've encountered have shown their teeth for the most part. And I'm assuming it's aggression to a certain degree, but this thing was showing its teeth. And it was looking at my, you know, my guy friend. And then it would turn and it would look at me. And it was staring at both of us with just, pretty, pretty deep interest. And I remember both of us like looking at each other and just goose white and we don't know what we're looking at, but we pretty much turn and just run and scooby-doo up, up the, um, the railroad platform <laughs> to get away from whatever this was. And then I made him stop for a minute because I wanted to see if it was following us and we could see it going down you know, walking through the limestone down into the trees away from us. And we ended up running to the store and finding our friends and telling them what we saw. And of course they didn't believe us. So, um, you know, we just, we stopped talking about it after a while. And I think that they kind of got to the point where they're like, okay, well, you guys probably saw something. But I think, you know, bear came up and there was no bears in that area or, or dog, you know, and, we were trying to trying to tell them that it wasn't because it was it was standing upright. Um, and the strange thing about this, and you asked me about them following me, um, I think it was the same week, but I was in the next town over, which you know was not very far, maybe twenty minutes. And I was at my grandmother's house because at that at the time my dad and I lived with her and I was getting ready to go to bed and I was, you know, pulling the shades down. And I remember just looking out to the woods behind her house and, uh, cause I've always, I've always liked nature anyway. And, um, you know, and it was just a really pretty night, but it was really dark and I just was kind of looking out for a minute and somehow my attention was drawn to the ground right below my window. And so I'm I'm looking at the ground and all of a sudden I see these eyes. So I think, I think I'm guessing something turned its head and was looking up at me and there's these very vivid yellow eyes. And all of a sudden it stands up and it's looking in the window pane at me. And I mean, there's nothing but glass between me and it. And I remember pretty much jumping into my bed and pulling the covers over my head and then hearing something smack the house and these God awful, just growls that really for lack of a better term, just sound demonic. 
and I'm laying there and I'm terrified and I'm trying to tell myself that it's all in my head that it's not happening. And things get quiet and, but I can't sleep and I'm laying there thinking, okay, well maybe, maybe I really just imagined that maybe that really didn't happen. And then my dad comes home and his lights kind of flood over the house and he's pulling into the driveway. And as soon as that happens, this thing just screeches and I can all of a sudden hear it moving through the trees and it sounds like sticks being snapped and, and stuff being thrown around like this thing is pissed off that my dad showed up and the terror just kind of washes all over me again. And I remember really just being freaked out and not wanting to go into the, into that room for the longest time. And but the thing about this, and I, I don't know. Okay. I am really on the fence as to what exactly this was. First of all, I don't know if it was, it was, if it was the same creature that I encountered on those several chests. It, if it is, I don't know why, but um, it's been suggested to me that maybe whatever it was outside of my grandmother's house, that it was more than one creature. Um, possibly there was more than one creature. I don't really know. Um, but what's disturbing about the thing that was on the railroad tracks is years later in my research, I came across these illustrations that somebody drew of a skinwalker and it looks exactly like what I saw, what my friend and I saw, except there was no headdress. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around whether that's even a possibility. I've, I've talked to people. Um, I know I know some people in the Navajo co- um, community that absolutely swear up and down that skinwalkers are real. Um, however, this incident happened in Massachusetts, and there is a large American, Native American, you know, presence. But I don't. I don't know if this just pertains to Native America or not, but it was it was really weird. And just finding finding that picture really kind of disturbed me. It actually really still disturbs me. And part of the reason why is because my daughter, um, who's a high schooler, went on a she went on a school trip to Florida, and she's seen these pictures. She's had her own encounters with things, and um, you know has kind of looked into some things for herself. But she swears that she's also seen this creature. But when she saw it, she says that it was in Florida, or not Florida, Georgia, like on the Tennessee, Georgia line, that they were at a stop somewhere and that something that looked like that creature was in the bushes watching her and her classmates. So I don't know. Um, That's one of those ones that I probably will not get any real answers on. I mean, I probably won't get really any real answers on anything, but it's also one of the ones that disturbs me the most. Um, so I don't, I don't know for sure, you know, what, what that one was at all. And I really kind of even hate thinking about the possibilities of what it was. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, I had a really weird experience I'm going to share this just because I don't know. And maybe maybe some of your listeners know a little bit. There's been some deliberations um, on whether or not 
dogmen can also send out infrasound the way that we think that Bigfoot possibly can, Sasquatch can. I had an incident happen to me um, as a teen, older, still living in the same area of Massachusetts. And I remember um, I was a total metalhead in, in high school. And I, I had, I was like obsessed with Molly Crew. And we had these water towers near my house. And I decided that I wanted to be a vandal one day and um, write the lyrics to one of their songs on the side of this water tower. And it was a very kind of rural neighborhood um, where I was at the time. Very wooded, um, very pretty, you know, overlooking the ocean. And the ocean was, was like way out there. Um, at the top of this hill where my house was. And so I decided that I was going to, going to be a vandal. And I started to, to put these lyrics on the side of the water tower. And all of a sudden, for some reason, I noticed that the trees are shaking and I'm hearing a growling, but inside my mind, the image of a werewolf pops into my mind and all of a sudden, I feel really dizzy and really sick. And I remember that I made it home. And I think it was a four-day weekend that I had off from school. And I remember I was sick all weekend. I could not get out of bed. I remember feeling dizzy every time I got up. Excruciating headache. I don't remember if I had a fever or not. But that's like all that I remember. I was I was out of it for four days after that happened. So I didn't actually see anything. It was just more like I had the picture of this pop into my mind and then I got sick. So I don't know if that was, if I had actually been what they called zapped by a dog man or not. But um, my very strong assumption and guess is that that's probably what happened. Because it was it was very strange, and it's something that I've been trying to compare with other other folks um, who have been zapped. And when I described it, they said that that's what it sounds like, and that apparently when it happens to you, it's like your body has to reset itself. So I don't know. And and um, I've had a few other people tell me that it would take them a few days that they would feel sick for a few days before they felt normal again. So it was a very strange occurrence. Yeah. Okay. As far as dogman, I can't. I can't remember anything else except um, stuff that that happened here. There are things that, like I said, that my children had experienced um, as well. And I didn't know if you wanted me to include those, but um, I could probably just talk about you know the things that happened here um, because there's a few incidents, incidents of things that have happened to my kids here as well. Yeah. But as far as here, okay. So as far as here, uh, oh, and that's actually how how that happened. Now, now that I think about it, of my daughter actually coming to me finally and telling me that she was seeing things. Um, my daughter, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and start with that. Okay. When my daughter was seven, we were visiting here. We were visiting my my in laws, and. Where they live, they have several, you know, several acres, about seven. Um, all of it kind of runs into, I think it's a state park, but it's just, I mean, several, several acres of woods. 
you know. And when she was about seven, she was outside playing in the front yard, which is enormous. And she was playing in the creek bed. And to get into the driveway, you have to go over a bridge. And she's playing by the bridge. And she said that she thought her grandmother's dog was under the bridge. And so she, she was sitting next to it. And she reached out her hand and she started to pet it. And then she said, all of a sudden, this face turned to her. And all she remembers is yellow eyes and all these teeth, and it's screaming. And her screaming, and her running back into the house, and her telling her grandma what she saw. And I had been upstairs, and I, and I came down, and I said, can you tell me, can you tell me what happened? And the first thing out of my mother-in-law's mouth was, oh, she just imagined it. And I and I just kind of looked at her and said, oh, okay, uh, why don't you tell me what happened? You know, it's my daughter. And she said, well, I thought I was petting um, grandma's dog under the bridge, but it was something else. And she thinks now that it could have been, she thinks it's possible that it was a baby Sasquatch, or possibly a dogman. Um I'm leaning a little bit stronger towards Dogman because there's been a lot of stuff on the property. Um, let me see. I, I think around that same time, my husband and I had gone hiking in the woods and we found this really strange print that I'd never seen before. And it was um, sort of triangular, like the there was a heel that looked almost human-like, but then it sort of kind of flattened out and got wide and then sort of the toes were slayed. And it was very strange and I was thinking okay, maybe that's, that's a squatch print um, but it was a very odd squatch print. you know. And, and at that time I was kind of a closet researcher. Um, it was something that my that my soon-to-be ex had, had a, just a very strong prob- problem with. You know, he thought the whole thing was nonsense and it was ridiculous and everything. Uh, and he does know about some of the incident incidences that had happened in my life and, um, know whether he believed or not, but, but I remember him teasing me and saying, Hey, is that, is that the belong to one of your friends? And I said, it looks like it. Um, and we, when we moved here in the spring of 15, we went back there again and we found this beautiful track that I so, so wish I had photographed. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, very impressive. It looked very similar to a mountain lion. Now there have been sightings of, of large cats in this, in this part of the state. Um, also we have some kind of wolf here too that I've actually seen in this neighborhood that I live in. Um, it's a type of red wolf beef, um, that have made its way back into the state. But in, anyway, um, this track looks like a very large mountain lions track and, and we just moved back to the side of the country from California. So I was used to seeing mountain lion tracks. The only difference was, um, all cats or all cats were tracked their, their claws in. So you'll never see their, their claws out in a track unless there's, you know, a reason for the, for them to be out like them on the defense or offense. And this thing 
had these long claw marks that were also in the mud. And, you know, in, in comparison to a wolf's paw, I mean, this looked like a very large wolf's paw. But I was sitting there thinking large cat. And I remember saying to my husband, I said, oh, this is crazy because it looks like a mountain lion, but it's not. And I was pointing out the, the differences. And then looking at some other supposed dog man tracks, I'm thinking that that's, now that that's probably what it was, possibly. I mean, I'm not, I can't be absolutely positive because I didn't see what, what made it, of course. But um, given like other activity around their property, I'm assuming that that's, that could have been what it is. Uh, and we were living there when we first moved here. And I, um, I was working at a hotel and I would have to go in very early in the morning, like 4.30 in the morning. And one morning I came out and it was dark and I hear the loudest, most mournful howl back in those woods where there'd been a history of tracks, just very low, very sad, very long, very wolf-like and just extremely haunting. Like whatever was making this noise was very lonely. It was, it was, it was weird. Um, and that's the only kind of vocalizations. I mean, I've heard, almost heard what sounds like very large people talking occasionally or something talking back there. Um, I came out one morning to hear something saying, what? Very loudly. It was like a very deep, deep voice saying, what? And that was very strange. Um, and that was across the street from where the howling noises were coming from. So to speed up things a little bit, because there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot that happened until I'm thinking it was the winter. It was the winter of 15. The winter of 15, we had really bad snowstorms down here in the south that, that you know, everybody kind of went nuts. And the city kind of shut down and everything. And I was at my hotel for a week. <laughs> so my my kids and their dad were at grandma's house for a week. And I was stuck downtown at a hotel for a week because of how bad the weather was. And my daughter says that she was outside at grandma's house with her younger sisters and they were playing. All of a sudden she looks at the wood line and she says, there's this very big creature. And I think she said it pretty much looked like, like a bodybuilder, but it had what looked like a wolf's head and it was just standing in the woods and it was watching her and it was watching it was watching the other two girls and she was instantly afraid, but because she didn't want to draw attention, you know, and she didn't want her sisters to see it. She very calmly said, okay, it's cold. Let's, let's go back inside. And so she told me about this later that this had happened. Um, and I think it was the same winter. I took a picture of my daughter, my youngest daughter outside and she wanted a snowball fight. So she made a snowball and I took a picture of her and behind her is the neighbor's land and they have horses. And at the edge of the wood line, which connects up to her grandmother's woods, um, I caught on camera 
what I'm thinking is the same individual, very large, standing at the wood line. Um, the only way I can describe it is a lichen. I mean, it, it looked a lot like like the werewolves in um, the Underworld movies. Just huge, muscle-bound, powerful, and just standing there watching us. So I catch a picture of this thing, um, and, and it was completely on accident. I just had gotten into the habit of any pictures that I take on their property of anything. I just have the tendency to blow it up and to see if I can catch anything after. And, and I did. And the only problem with this is it's so pixeled out. It's really hard to tell, but it's there. And I, it's another photograph that I had analyzed. And, um, you know, my friend that, that looked at it said that, you know, whatever, there's definitely something there. It's just hard to tell what it is. So that happens. Um, and also around their land, we started to see these really strange stick formations, which to me, I think look a lot like hieroglyphs. And that's something I can send you. So I took a picture of one of them and sticking its head out behind a tree. When I snapped this picture is what looks like a dog. Um, not the same individual as this really, really large lichen creature that we have seen, but something else that just looks like a dog peeking at me while I, I take the picture of this hieroglyph stick formation. Um, and let me see. So the following year, the following October, my daughter, oldest daughter is at her grandmother's house again. And this time she's spending the night with one of her cousins. We, we have, <coughs> we have an allergy for some reason too, talking about things that run through the family. My dad and myself and my daughter are all allergic to banana. Like we'll go into anaphylactic shock. I don't know why. Yikes. But, um, yeah. So she ends up having this popsicle that her grandma bought popsicles, not really paying attention to her allergies. And my daughter gets a popsicle, takes a bite, swallows it and tastes banana. And she starts to freak out. <clears throat> and she decides that she wants to force herself to throw up to get the, you know, get it out. And so she goes outside and she, she ends up throwing it up and um, she comes back inside and her cousin's asking her what's going on. And she tells her, she said, okay, well, let's go clean it up. So they're outside at grandma's house and they grab the hose and they're hosing, hosing, you know, hosing the area down. And my niece looks towards the wood line Actually, not even the wood line. This is like a cluster of trees that's in their backyard that's probably about 15, 20 feet from the door. And she says that that she was looking and that there was this large werewolf creature staring at her and my daughter. And she turned the hose on this thing, apparently. So she turns the hose on this thing, sprays it, she said in the face, and that it just bounded out of there and leaped over the fence into the horse pasture and ran into the woods. Um, my daughter was too busy and wasn't paying attention, but her cousin told her exactly what she saw and she didn't, she didn't say anything other than, okay, I believe you, but let me know immediately. I mean, she called me to let me know about the banana, but then, you know, she was like, well, don't, don't worry about that. You know, I'm okay. I took the Benadryl, but you'll never guess what, you know, what so-and-so saw. And so, um, 
I'm thinking it was the same individual, the, the main individual that hangs around. So, um, winter comes around again and my daughter is periodically seeing this. And at the time she and her brother were going to the same high school, which was probably about five miles from grandma's house. Also kind of out in in the country, surrounded by farms and, and hills and everything else. And my son, I picked up my son one night from um, a game that he had and he gets in the car and he's kind of quiet and I'm like, okay, what's, what's, what's the matter? I was bothering you. And he was like, mom, I think I saw a dog, man. And I said, okay. I said, how do you know? And he was like, well, first of all, I'm mad because you know, I didn't believe, I didn't believe your stories and I didn't believe any of this, but I don't know what else it was. And I said, okay, well, tell me what happened. And he says, well, um, we were doing laps, you know, to, to get ready for our meet and everything. And I'm all the way down on the other side of the football field that feeds, you know, the woods and, and the farm. And all of a sudden I see, I see a car driving through the farmer's field with a box on top of it. And this thing that looks like a werewolf chasing the car. And I said, right, so are you serious? He's like, yeah. He's like, seeing, seeing something that looks like a werewolf's not bothering me as much as why was the car driving in the middle of the field? And and I just kind of laughed at him because it's like, that's, that's just what his mind got stuck on. <laughs> you know, not, not, I saw this creature. Why is there a car with a box on top driving in the middle of this farmer's field? So, um, so he, he described it. He said it looked like it was very big and it looked, it moved so so swiftly that it just kind of looked like shadow. But he was like, well, I, I believe you now. And, and I said, yeah, I said, I, I told you, you know, I told you that I've been seeing this and your sister's been seeing this. Um, so I think that that, that was his incident and my last sighting, um, my last clear sighting was, well, over a year ago now. So fall of, we're in 18. So fall of 17? No, fall of 16. Fall of 16, um, I was leaving my in-laws to do something. And I, I believe it was probably evening. But I remember um, leaving the house, going to the driveway to get into my car and um, looking at the wood line that's at the back of their property and standing there in all, all his majesty was the same creature that, um, that we've been seeing very large, very Brown. Um, honestly, it's like, it kind of reminded me more like a grizzly bear, I think because of height, but just the sheer mass and size of this thing's head was incredible huge, huge head. Um, I don't know how many yards. I don't know. Uh, I want to say maybe 70 yards, but just standing there, definitely standing in plain sight, you know, where I could see him. Um, almost with an expression on his face of being on guard, 
you know, and kind of being stoic and just sort of like, okay, like you can see me and I can see you now. Let's see what's going to happen. And I remember very intentionally the fear the fear I felt is kind of hard to explain. It was almost like reverence. You know, it's almost the acknowledgement of knowing this thing, if this thing wants me, it can get to me super fast and it could take off with me and I would never be heard of again. Um, but it was, it was weird because it was almost like, like it was letting me know that it was there. Um, but it didn't, it didn't do anything. You know, it just sort of stood there and just kind of watched me walk to the car. And I just chose to kind of not pay as much attention to it as possible because I don't know. I just almost, almost felt like that would make it worse. And so, um, so I just kind of got in a car and drove away. Um, and like I said, you know, there's a few photographs that have been snapped around the place that have picked up some really weird stuff and I'll, I'll send those to you. But that's my last clear sighting since I have been in Tennessee of a dog man. Now, what my my kids and I are going through now, I've been in this house that I'm at since May. And two days, two or three days in, two or three days in, there was a really good windstorm and I don't think it's the explanation for this because I, because it's just probably not possible, but I get up, I go to work. And at that time I was going in at like, depending on, on when I had to be there, I'd either be up at three thirty in the morning or four thirty in the morning to get ready for work. And this was one of those mornings where I had to go in really early. So it was super dark, but I remember coming out to my car and behind my house is a canal that connects to um, a series of creek beds that lead into the Cumberland River. I am literally three miles from a very beautiful park that is all river bottoms. So, and it's very wooded, very secluded very thick woods too, but there's lots of bike trails and there's playgrounds and that kind of stuff down there. So anyway, um, when it rains, this canal behind my house, um, starts to flow and all the water pretty much is going into the river. Um, so three mornings in, I'm going to work and in that canal, it was dry. It was dry at the time in the trees. I think I see eye shine. And, and I'm not sure what it is, but, you know, I'm not going to, not going to really, really concentrate on, on it too much because I have to go to work. Now, when I come home, I come home to these massive high up tree breaks and twists. I mean, these things were, these, these boughs were thick. They were probably a good 20 inches in diameter. And it's the V of a tree and there's two of them that are twisted and broken and the branches are laying on top of my house. And I go into my house and I ask the kids if they've heard anything. And this is over my son's room, actually, whatever this is, it, it just landed, landed on the roof or was put on the roof over my son's room. 
And he said, he was like, no, I didn't, I didn't hear anything. Nobody heard anything. And there's no way that you could not have heard something. I mean, it's very mysterious that they didn't, but they didn't even know that it had happened. And so I had to call my landlord and he had to have some, a crew come out and because of the sheer size of these limbs, you know, cut everything down safely. So that happened. Um, then I think about a month later, my car, my car was broken down and it was, it was a rough summer. Um, my first, you know, summer going through all of this stuff, um, you know, in my personal life and with my family, um, on top of it, my car breaks down. So I have a coworker of mine coming to pick me up at about four in the morning and I go outside to wait and there's this raccoon rummaging around in my trash. Now I don't like raccoons and I know that that probably sounds silly considering the subject matter that we're talking about, but I'm actually afraid of raccoons. Okay. I just, they're mean little vicious creatures and you know, up North they, they've been known to carry rabies. So it was really, I'm really leery of, of raccoons. So I go back to the house and, this raccoon comes onto my porch and is mean mugging me through the window and everything. And, and I'm not going outside <laughs> until I know it's gone. <laughs> and, um, I have the kitchen window open and I hear this crack and this, and this boom is something crash. And so I look out the window and I see the, the raccoon is hightailing it into the trees and it's, but it's really too dark to tell what's going on. So I go back outside um, and I'm, I'm texting my coworker cause he'd, he'd never been to my house at the time to pick, you know, to pick me up and he wasn't sure he was going and I'm sitting on the porch and all of a sudden I see this car slow down um, at the end of my driveway and I'm like, Oh, okay, well that must be him. And the car's just sitting there and I'm walking down the driveway and then all of a sudden I look on the street and there is this large tree limb that is laying perfectly straight across the street so that this car can't get through. So that was the noise I heard in the house. So while I was in the house, there's no wind, there was no weather, there was no nothing. It was perfectly still. Somehow this tree limb cracked and made a bunch of noise and ended up in the street blocking traffic. So I instantly, and I think I still have the video of this, I instantly record it. I take pictures and I send it off to um, a friend of mine who, who has a show, which I've, I've also been on and who's a researcher. And I was like, you're not going to believe what just happened. And, you know, so I was showing him all of this stuff, you know, and I, I documented what time it was. And I was like, I can't explain this. Okay. A couple of weeks ago, I had a massive tree break in from one tree in my yard. Now I've got a second one. And so, so, I mean, so it was, it was insane. Um, so that was the second tree break. Yeah. Now, while we're here, um, I'm starting to hear things like, you know, footsteps on my roof. Um, one morning when I was getting a ride from a coworker, I came out and I heard what sounded the only way I can describe it is like a chuff. So it was kind of like a <clears throat> noise and it was coming from the dark side of my house. And I heard something very large walking away 
and making its way back into the trees behind my house. Um, obviously I didn't see it. Don't know what it was. Uh, but I come home later that day and I start to tell my kids and my son, who's the oldest said, Oh yeah, I've been hearing stuff in the back of the house. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, there's something that growls at me at night. And I was like, why didn't you say anything to me? And he was like, well, cause I wasn't sure. And so he just, he was describing the noise as, you know, very low, but so low that it almost felt like a vibration. Like he could feel the noise and hear it at the same time. And he said, you know, whatever it is, I don't think it's making that noise to scare me. I think it's letting me know that it's there. And I said, okay. Um, I said, that's, you know, that's a possibility. And I said, but if it does it again, you know, can you, can you let me know? And he was like, yeah, yeah, most definitely. He said, he said, sometimes he said, like, there was a period of time where it was nightly that he was hearing it. And I don't think he's hearing things. Actually, the last time he mentioned it was about a month ago. He mentioned hearing something outside. So, um, fast forwarding a little bit, um, a little later into the summer, it's a really hot day and my AC was broken for a while. I've got, I've got the doors open. My kids are watching TV. It's about five in the afternoon. Traffic is starting to pick up on my street from everybody going home. And I go outside to, to make sure that my car is locked up for the night. And in between the first break, first tree that was broken and the second tree that was broken is this other little tree. And as I'm walking towards my car, I notice a third tree break. And I just stop and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and um, take my phone out, take pictures. And I remember very distinctly as I, I, I saying in my yard, can you guys please stop breaking my trees because I'm going to get in trouble with my landlord. You know, because there's just no way to explain it. You know, it's like, it definitely makes me and my kids look guilty. Like we're walking around breaking this tree somehow, you know. So um, I haven't had one since then, which is kind of amazing to tell you the truth. But I very just distinctly, very loudly said, please stop breaking my trees. Um, but I documented that one as well. It's on, a lot of this is on my, my, my group's um, Facebook page. But I documented that as well because I just couldn't believe it. And I... I went in and I told the kids and they came out and looked and they were both, they were all talking about, well, how come we didn't hear anything? And I was like, I don't know. And look what time it is. And we've got cars moving up and down the street and here we go with another tree break. Um, so that was kind of crazy. But um, later on in the year or not the year, but just in the months that I've been here, I discovered some really strange stuff. Like more and more, I was starting to see some, some, footprints in a particular spot in the yard. Um, lately I have not seen it and I don't know if it's just because it's winter and there's less, less coverage, but I would come out in the morning and I would find footprints in certain spots. I would also start to find rocks. Okay. I have these weird, interesting rocks that were just being left on, on the spot near these footprints, hairs on my car, really, really strange hairs that I was trying to collect so I could get them analyzed and, and they were just so thin and delicate that I couldn't, I couldn't collect them. Um, and just the continuance of 
something walking around on the roof, um, strange growling noises outside, strange smells, really weird phantom smells at times. Um, everything from like smelling flowers to smelling something that would, would just smell sickly sweet. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with Simon Young. He's a Yowie researcher in Australia, but I've talked to him a little bit about some of these smells and when I've described to him the sickly sweet smell, he said that he thinks that that's, that's the breath of Sasquatch. Like that's, that's, that's their breath and that they're really close by, but they're hiding and you can't see them. So, I mean, I don't know. And cause like I said, I haven't had a sighting to know what I'm dealing with, but I've had all kinds of different shapes of footprints. I've had things that look like Sasquatch and I've, I've always kind of highlighted this stuff, sent the pictures off to, to other researchers and been like, what do you think? You know, you know, do you know what this is? Have you seen this? And I've had people tell me Sasquatch and Dogman. So it's really hard to know um, for sure what I've got going around the house. But uh, my children have all heard thuds. Some of them have been so loud that they've woken us up at night. Um, and in fact, and I'll send, I'll send this to you too. There was one day, when was it? I'm going to, I want to say September or October. I found, I started, I was starting to find some hieroglyphs in my yard. So some weird stick formations and I'm filming and I'm filming in the direction of where this canal is in my backyard. That, that was all covered um, by foliage and stuff. And the camera picks up something that I still can't explain. I just still don't know what it is but I'll send you a picture. Honestly, and we talked about this earlier before we started recording how I was giving you an example about feeling skeptical Skeptical if I'd seen like, you know, about, about alien graves or something because I'd never right. seen one of those. So I'm kind of on the fence. But there is something in the canal and I don't know what it is. Um, I had somebody tell me they thought it was a baby Sasquatch, but it's very strange looking and it had a bulbous head and just this, just really weird skinny little body. Um, and you can see it moving on the video. And again, it was another thing that I had analyzed and was told that whatever it is, is definitely organic and it's real. So I'll have to pass that along to you too, because I don't, I don't know what that is, but it's just some of the really weird stuff that, um, that I've been dealing with living here. Wow. So, that's that's all the dogman stuff. Now, Bigfoot, I don't know how much time you have because that's more extensive and um that's up to you, but there's there's a lot on that too. Really? Um and we can yeah, and we can always do this a second time if you really want to. Um because there's a lot more. That was just dogman. There's just a, a lot more stuff concerning um Sasquatch. But uh and actually, I'm going to send you another picture because there is, there is a really, it was a very impressive break that I found, but I, I want to show this to you because I want to see if you can actually see him. Um, so I took a picture of this. I mean, it was a huge tree, huge tree. And, and I, don't, I don't know how these guys do it. I mean, I guess it depends on size and strength and whatever. But I'm guessing this tree could have been very easily about 50, maybe 50 inches in diameter. And it was um, on the other side of town near where my, where my in-laws live. And it was right along the, 
the highway, you know, and I'd wanted to stop for the longest time and photograph it because I was just so impressed with it. But I mean, it's high speed. Everybody's doing like 80. But one day I finally managed to stop and I take a picture of it. And when I'm looking at the picture later, there's a very distinct face that you can see. And it's, it's beautiful, honestly. Um, very impressive. Some very big fellow is, is watching me take a picture. And his face is... The, the texture and color of his face is kind of like a very deep, dark gray. But it's very human-like. And there's an orb right next to his head, kind of pointing him out. So I'll have to send that to you because I am pretty sure that's a squash. But it's, it's, it's a nice picture. Um, that I caught accidentally. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's what I got on dog, man. Um, you know, and I've, like I said, I've been, I've been researching this on my own as well, mostly for closure. Um, and like I had said, when I first, I was so terrified to talk about this stuff for so long. And when I, when I first did, um, my mind was so focused on what happened in early childhood that I really feel like I kind of relived the trauma of that experience of dealing with this, the, the one, the recurrence of this blonde female one that would, you know, come to my house and everything. That was really, really tough to talk about. That was very hard to talk about. Um, in fact, at first I didn't even, I didn't tell Vic everything because I was scared he'd think I was crazy. Sure. And I think for a while I felt like I was, you know, um, I've heard some similar stories, but at the same time, I'm so busy. I can't, I can't like listen to all the interviews and all the stories that are out there, but I'm so curious to know what other people's experiences are just, just to kind of, you know, compare them because, um, I know mine was different. And it really, it really, really was. But um, at the same time, I was so tired of, of living with it and not, not getting it out there because this, it's a very lonely thing. This subject matter is a very lonely thing to live with if you don't feel like you can talk about it, you know. But that's that's all I got for you. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I I guess yeah. You know, kind of wrapping it up here. Then you know, what are your thoughts on? what dog man is. I mean, you, you done so much looking into it. So I mean, um, what are your thoughts on that? Okay. I think, I think the best way for me to answer that is it really depends on what your, your worldview is. Okay. My, my worldview is biblical, but I'm very liberal about it. Meaning that, um, there are very few things that I'm absolutely conservative about and, and everything else I'm extremely liberal about as a person. But if, if, the biblical, if the biblical accounts are true about the fall and if fallen angels really did in fact have sex with human women and created, they created supposedly in Genesis six, it says that they created you know men, men of renown and men of legend. So we're talking about some of these really old stories, you know, that you also hear in other cultures, like Greek mythology of like, you know, half God, half human people. But in one of the books that was left out of the canon, which is the book of Enoch, which is extremely fascinating. 
they say that the offspring of the, of the union of fallen angels and human women, some of those children went and had sex with animals. Okay. And if there's any truth to that, then you obviously have the offspring of that union. So almost like Satan's war on all of humanity and the earth was, was just a way of just polluting the gene pool. But at the same time, you also have all of these other cultures that talk about half man, half animal beings. I mean, from Native America to Transylvania to China, I mean, everywhere, you know, from half dragon, half human, you know, half fish, half woman to half man, half, half wolf. And so if you've got all of these cultures that at some point in time in history had no knowledge, knowledge of one another and were completely isolated, but they're telling the same stories, there has to be some kind of truth to it. And so and then, which is kind of the fascinating thing. I don't know what they are. Um, I, I'm on the fence about whether it's something that's evil or not. Um, and, and the the reason I say that is because, you know, with my own experience, I know that, especially as a young, vulnerable child, I very easily could have been killed. I very easily easily could have been carried off. I mean, that could have happened very easily. Um, for whatever reason, she didn't. But I also think that I was dealing with a juvenile myself because she, in, in size comparison to having young kids and to how big I think she was um, in comparison to me, I don't think that creature was any more than maybe 5'2", 5'3". So I'm thinking I was dealing with a juvenile um, and for whatever reason, she was either curious about me or viewed me as a pet or was completely entertained or she really viewed me as some kind of playmate. I don't know. Um, but I do think that they, you know, like any strange or wild creature, they could be extremely dangerous and not to be tampered with. I don't think it's a great idea to go out, you know, and, and fool around with them. You know, I think if you're in their area, you have to be extremely respectful. I mean, but also trust your instincts. You know, there's some parts of the park down the street that I won't go into because it absolutely freaks me out. So I just try to trust those instincts. So, um, I think that there is very possibly something supernatural involved. And at the same time, I think it's, it's the result of, um, you know, of something very old, um, that probably was not supposed to be here, but is, Yeah. if, if that explains anything, I just, I don't know. Sure. Um, Absolutely. I mean, again, yeah. You mean, I mean, again, until, until we have an expert, until we have like a Jane Goodall of the, of the dog man world that's, that can go out and live with him for a year, yeah. you know, <laughs> and document all this stuff, we're just never going to know for sure, you know? Yeah. And you bring up the whole, the Nephilim angle and, you know, like that, Yeah, that's something that obviously, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say obviously, but 
I've definitely thought about, and I say obviously because anybody who's listened to all my shows, like I've done two Nephilim shows this past year. Uh, I'm a firm believer okay. in the existence of the Nephilim, at least in our history mm-hmm. of mankind. Um, yes. Now, yes. if they're in existence today, uh, I've had people tell me off the record some things uh, that I, I'm just not at liberty to talk about right now. But uh, there are people right. out there that say that they still see these things as far as um, mm-hmm. humanoid giants. Now, when it comes to the whole right. uh, beast aspect of things with the Nephilim, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you because if uh, the whole idea is to destroy God's creation, then that would mm-hmm. entail more than just destroying the gene pool of man. It would also entail, mm-hmm. uh, you know, taking care of all the beasts and plants of mm-hmm. the land. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, the book of Enoch, I got it here at home. You know, I, I look through it and stuff like that, too. I've read through it. Um, but, yeah, I'm absolutely on board there with you when it comes to that. Right. Which, you know, kind of ties back into why I I look at bloodlines as a possible connection to why people see these things, because my theory is that, you know, it also affected, it affected us too. You know what I'm saying? If, if, um, all of that's true with the Nephilim, if, if it's even true with the union between fallen angels and human women creating these men, these giants that you're talking about, it's very possible that some of those men were still, you know, reproducing with women. And it's also very possible that it's in some of our bloodlines. That's what I'm thinking. It's as a theory. I mean, obviously I can't prove it. And I'm sure that would be considered very controversial. However, if that is the case, then I think that that might be part of the reason why people are seeing these things, because there could be something in them that views some of us and goes, Oh, we're, you know, we're like cousins or something, you know what I'm saying? So without, without us knowing why I think that that's a possibility. I think the only other possibility, I think there's a few possibilities. I mean, I think that's one. I think them just being curious about us is another or just really enjoying scaring the crap out of us. I'm sure it's funny to them, you know? Um, you know, I think that that could be a possibility too, or just there, there's an evil reason behind it, you know, it, in a lot of cases, and maybe in some cases it's not, it's just, it's just not one of those subjects or, you know, things that, you know, that we have an easy answer to as far as I'm concerned. No, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I hear people talk about the dog man encounters. I hear about people talking about the, Bigfoot encounters, and there are such similarities there that it would make sense when you look at the, all the similarities between the two different cryptids. That mm-hmm. if you told me they had the, a similar or the same origin, I would be like, well, that makes mm-hmm. sense then, you know, because there's so many similarities, right. not just with their 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 massive size and how they maneuver, but just their like the way they act. I mean. Uh, I've heard people tell, tell me, uh, similar things. I actually, uh, there, I had one guy share with me that he was actually, um, I don't want to say he was raped, but he was sexually assaulted by, uh, a juvenile Sasquatch when he was a kid. 
And uh, mm-hmm. he told me that. And so, like, what do you make of that? It, these things are clearly interacting with people in a peculiar way, you know? And um, when you I hear. I think it's possible. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, yeah, I, I do. Um, and part of the reason why I've actually a friend of mine, um, she sent me this picture and I'm, I wish I could disclose it, but I don't have her permission. Um, but she said that she has juvenile Sasquatch on her ranch and they're coming up at night and they are raping her mares. So, and they caught one of the, one of these individuals face on one of their security cameras and she sent me the picture. Wow. Um, and she, but she asked me not to disclose it because she wants, she wanted some more research done before she does that. But it, yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, but if you think about it, it's almost like a ripple effect, you know, it's like, you know, it started with one thing and it's just continuing and it, but it just sort of makes sense. If you think about sort of asking, you know, why in a sense, it's, it's, it's like, look at, look at the origins. If those are the origins, it started with with rape, you know, like that's a huge war tactic. If you think about it, you know, like one, one thing that I had learned recently that I didn't know was, was after, um, after world war two, when, um, you know, the allied forces went into Germany, the Russians raped a lot of German women as an act of war against them. And it was something I didn't know, like I said, that I didn't know until recently. There were many, many children that were actually born from that time that were half Russian and half German because these, these soldiers were attacking and raping German women because of the Nazis. So it's almost like it's a learned, it's an evil behavior, but it's almost like it's a learned war tactic. So if there's truth to, you know, what the Bible says and, and what some of these other ancient books says, it kind of makes sense that, you know, that maybe these are the products of these things, which is pretty much an act of hate, of, of Satan's hate for God's creation. And that's the ripple effect, you know, where these offspring are very possibly inherently evil and have absolute depravity and they're continuing the behavior that's like in their bloodline, you know? Right. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's fascinating and it's horrifying at the same time. And it's definitely a subject all on its own that I'm sure we could talk, you know, for hours about, but it, it is something that, that I'm looking into just for my own personal research you know, and my hope is eventually I'd really like to have a database that has um, all of, you know, all the dogman sightings, you know, maybe perhaps internationally, but I also want to look into the historical aspect of those places as far as, um, you know, what kind of history the place has, but also if there's, a, you know, historical sightings that have gone on for hundreds of years, you know, like I know the UK has had werewolf sightings for for you know, centuries. That's, that's not a new thing for them. And they're still having sightings. So who, who knows? I mean, it's really, really fascinating stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll definitely have to have you come back on, share some of the Sasquatch stories and continue these conversations. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. 
Well, Lisa, I really appreciate you being here. And uh, until next time, take care. And if there's anything that pops up okay. that you'd like to talk about, I would love to just hear about it. So um, I look forward to hearing, seeing those pictures and videos as well. Yeah, I'll try to, I probably won't do it tonight, but I will definitely, I'm off tomorrow, so I can definitely get all that stuff together for you and I'll send it off to you. Awesome. Okay, well, uh, okay. you have a good night then. All right, you too. Yeah.